Hi there, listener, and welcome to the fourth in our series of podcasts covering the best snow sports equipment available for winter 2024. Now, we've already looked at the best skis, ski boots and ski jackets, and I found these really interesting to record. I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to them. You can catch up with all these episodes anytime. But today we're going to move on to looking at two really important areas of your winter wardrobe, helmets and goggles. Now, before I go on, I'd like to put a shout out for Ellis Brigham. Uh, This special episode of the Ski Podcast has been made possible by them. They are the winter sports specialists. They've got 16 shops around the UK and you can find all the kit you need for this winter. Alternatively, you can just go to their website at ellis-brigham.com where you can buy online now. My name is Ian Martin and this series of podcasts would not be possible without my regular guest and equipment expert, Al Morgan. Hi, Al. How are you? Ian, I'm great, thank you. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm very well. I lose track of the days. I think it's the 4th of January at the moment. Mm. We've had so many things going on. People like us who work in the ski industry, you know, get through Christmas and New Year, but working all those days in between as well. I'm looking forward to a bit more uh, routine. I know for yourself, we're coming into a very busy period right now. Um, Al isn't just the equipment expert for the ski podcast. You can find his work at the Telegraph and Full Line. He's always testing kit. I wondered if you could just start off by telling us how and when you've tested the products that we are going to talk about today. Yeah, so looking at helmets and goggles, these are... um arguably a bit easier to test because whenever I'm going skiing I can take a helmet or goggle with me or a variety and the reason why it's important to take a variety is you need to know that different goggles work with different helmets and vice versa so yeah just whenever I'm in the mountains different products testing them so I can help people get into the best helmet or goggle for their needs. Okay, excellent. Well, today we're going to start off with helmets and then move on to goggles. We'll look at the best options for the top, middle and entry points of the market. And we're going to explain some of the key bits of jargon you need to know without going too technical about it. So from the jargon point of view, I wondered if we could start off with uh, helmets. I know you wanted to start with something. It's not really jargon at all. We're talking about the fit of the item. Yeah, and this is really key. And people may get a bit bored of hearing me talk about fit is king and make sure you try things on. But we've all got different head shapes and our our eyes are all different, different, different colours and, and they work better with different tints and lenses. So go and try the helmets on. They're not all the same shape. Some are round, some are oval. Goggles aren't all the same shape either. And that lens tint point is really important you will put a goggle on and you will know if it feels nice and comfortable and relaxed for your eyes walk around the shop have a look around go and try them on okay so with that in mind fit is king let's have a look at a few of the key terms we need to know about uh, one of the things you wanted to talk about and you flagged are the safety standards and there are a couple of um, acronyms abbreviations in relation to those yeah so north america then then we've got ASTM, so that's their safety standards. I'm not going to go into the different categories and the different numbers, etc. And then in Europe, we have the uh, ENCE number. Um, it's worth noting with ski helmets, when you're in Europe, there's 1077 is the number, but there's two variants. There's A and B. A is essentially the race category, if you want. Full goes all over your ears with hard covering. Uh, B is your kind of recreation helmet, and that's what we're focusing on here. But all of the helmets we talk about are certified for skiing and snowboarding. 
Okay, that makes uh, sense. Now, the shell, that seems fairly obvious, as opposed to when we were talking about jackets, that really needed a bit more of an explanation. But what about some kind of understanding about the liner inside that shell in a helmet? Specifically, I'm interested in EPS and something that normally comes out as MIPS, I think. Yeah, so EPS, ex- expanded polystyrene. This is your classic. Think of a, most people are, are used to a cycle helmet. You've got this thin film or shell on the outside, and then the EPS is bonded in or injected in, made in different ways. Lots of ski helmets can be like that. Some ski helmets have a much harder outside, which we call hard shell. Um, but that EPS foam on the inside it can be made of other foams. That is your shock absorbing layer. That's what absorbs the impact if you take a tumble and reduces the force on your head, which is great if you're getting loaded so the foam gets crushed. But what happens if you hit the ground at an angle? As often happens when you're skiing, you may slide, slide down the hill. So this rotational impact, if you if you want, or oblique impact, is where the helmet hits the ground, the, the head's tilted, and we want to slow down how quickly the head is rotated. And that's what MIPS does. So MIPS stands for Multi-Directional Impact Protection System. A bit of a mouthful. This is typically a plastic layer between the EPS liner and your head. And it's attached to the EPS liner with little, little rubber bungees. And this just means your head's decelerating more slowly it's not having the same force applied to it, that rotational force, when you take a fall. Now, actually, in recent seasons, we've seen this developing in different ways, and it's really exciting to see what's happening in this space. Okay, well, we'll cover that um, when we move on to the products, because I think most of them do have these uh, features in there. Uh, the strap's obviously pretty uh, obvious. A uh, key point, though, I think, is that it needs to be done up correctly otherwise it's pretty pointless yeah. wearing a helmet right? now most helmets will have a fit adjustment a cradle inside the helmet that you can either use a dial or or, or some kind of velcro or fastener to, to tighten or loosen it for your head and that holds it in place but the strap is what keeps it on if you take it for make sure it's adjusted properly and it should go under your chin we're also going to when we talk about the products when you talk about venting as well do you want to explain mm. kind of why i think people probably understand what venting is but why it's important yeah i mean you get really warm when you're you're skiing but the other issue is that it can be really cold on the mountain so ski helmets will have venting of some sort so some will have more venting than others sometimes it's fixed in place you can't adjust it and that's called passive venting as well or you've got adjustable venting which we also term active where it has a slider so you can open and close the vents Right, that's going to be useful because I've already read through uh, and know what we're going to talk about with the products and some of them have passive venting. So you're saying if you've got passive venting, then there's no option to change it. Adjustable, obviously you can. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, Something that I've seen out on the mountain and they look quite weird to me. They look quite kind of, uh, you know, uh, alien-like or space age-like, are visor helmets. Yes, so visors are slightly confusing, Tim, because you can get helmets with a peak or a brim, which sometimes get called a visor. But when we're talking about visor today, what we mean is where you have a lens attached to the goggle. Think about sci-fi movies and you've got a spaceman or, or fighter jet pilots. Is another, they have visor helmets. You know, the visor slides down in front of their eyes. These are brilliant if you wear prescription glasses. But they've become really popular and really commonplace. And the visor can be attached in different ways. You can get different lenses. It's a really good combination, especially if you wear glasses. 
Okay, and um, you know, Reco is going to get mentioned a few times as well. I don't think we need to go into that now. Uh, listen, if you want to find out more about uh, the Reco and what that means, we really discussed it in a lot of detail in our ski jackets uh, episode. But uh, needless to say, it can help you uh, if you get into trouble in an avalanche. Let's move on to sustainability. In all of these episodes, we've covered the innovations that we've been seeing in sustainability. Um, what other trends and the changes which sit we're seeing in relation to helmets and goggles these products are predominantly made from plastics of some sorts and the way that brands have improved the sustainability for these dropped the environmental impact is they're using a lot of recycled materials and we are seeing brands using bio-based plastics so in helmets there's a um a scandinavian company called spectrum I can't remember exactly where they're based, but they make a Bunner helmet. And this is amazing. It uses loads of bio-based and recycled materials. This is a, one of those helmets with Reco that you referred to before. And they claim it's the greenest helmet on the planet. Now, we see a lot of recycled materials being used, but this one uses it to such an extent. It just gives us a glimpse of where we're headed. And it's similar with goggles, bio-based plastics, uh, recycled materials in straps, in frames. In, but we are seeing some biodegradable materials being used for lenses. So the lenses will have to be opti optically perfect or as perfect as possible. So to see these materials where the plastic can break down naturally at its end of its life, matching the requirements they want is amazing. I think maybe harder to do that in this area with these products like helmets and goggles. You can think inherently they're going to involve a lot of plastic. But it's interesting to hear about the changes that are going on there. Exactly. And one interesting innovation, so the EPS liner inside, that protective layer, that doesn't break down very quickly. So th there are various companies, Bolle, people may have heard of as a big, big company, they put little pieces of cork within the EPS liner and it's amazing how much quicker it breaks down because of these natural fibers being used. Okay well let's move uh, on to the products themselves then so with the uh, caveat that fit is king what are your your five picks of the best ski helmets for winter 2024? Yeah so looking at different price points and I mentioned that because this first one is expensive it's 410 pounds <laughs> Wow. There are a number of expensive helmets like this on the market, but this is by a company called Sweet Protection. And these are really kind of at the forefront of innovation with safety. So they work with MIPS and they've developed a MIPS 2VI system. Go onto their website, look at it. There's so much going on. There's way too much to cover there, but it just enhances the safety of it. This helmet uses a pre-preg carbon layer for the outside. So it keeps it really slim, really hard wear. You know, it's really strong surprising light around 600 grams it's just a real kind of top end real tech real helmet it looks amazing the do cheaper version you get this mips 2vi with the igniter which i used quite a bit last year that's a lot cheaper around 230 pounds but the grimnia 2vi mips at 410 pounds is a proper premium product right and uh, you know you mentioned in in the notes you sent me earlier we were talking about the venting side of things so it's got 10 vents which ten are all vents. Uh, yeah and they, and they put a protective layer on these vents to stop things penetrating the vents and i mean they've gone full on with safety with this helmet it's pretty impressive but the option 
that you were talking about, the igniter, the less expensive option, is it? Is that still made from carbon fiber as well? No, no, it doesn't use the carbon fiber. So that that's part of that prepreg carbon is an expensive material to work with, and that's yeah. part of the cost developing that helmet for the Grimlier. That's part of why it sits at just over four hundred pounds. Okay, so you know that's right at the top of the market. Let's uh, try and find something a little bit more affordable. What's next on your list? So again, this is using a different adaptation of the MIP system. So Giro, uh, Giro is partnered with Bell, the same company. They make lots of different helmets for different sports, and they have their own lab in America. And with MIPS, they developed a new system called MIPS Spherical. So you've got your standard EPS liner, and that's like a, a socket, and then another foam and EPP liner under that, like a little ball system. So it's a ball and socket. And because MIPS is normally a hard plastic layer that just moves around or allows your head to you know move around in an impact, this actually works to absorb impacts as well. It's an amazing technology. And the fact that it has such good venting, it's £250, so you're getting premium protection without a massively hefty price tag. The fit on this helmet, it's so comfortable. They make a, a lighter weight version called the Owen, which I actually use most of the time when I'm not testing other helmet. But the Tour's got more venting on it and will suit a broader spectrum of skiers. It's it's fantastic. Okay. Um, slightly different price point from uh, that then. The next one on your list is a head uh, helmet. Uh, it should be. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. So um, head, uh, they've done this for a few seasons, but it's just, I mentioned the comfort with, with, with the Giro, but they've got this sphere fit system on the inside of the head helmet. So there's, there's essentially four variants. They do a Radar and Rachel, which is a visor version, and they do the same helmet without a visor called a Rev and a Rita, which are interesting names. Um, but the Rachel and Radar is what we're focusing on. That's 200 pounds with the visor. And lots of visors are on pivots, but this is attached on little bungees. So it's a bit like wearing a goblet. It's really comfortable. It's got a cap two lens. So when we're talking about lenses a bit further, you'll learn what that means. But it just works for a lot of conditions, and you can pop the goggle up on your head. You can remove it and wear. You can pop the lens up onto the top of the helmet. You can remove it and wear the helmet with goggles if you want. It's just really easy to service. Really easy to swap lenses if you buy a spare. But it's sublimely comfortable. The fit all around your head is phenomenal. And remind me what price that was. Two hundred pounds. So this is an in mold helmet, a bit like a cycle helmet construction. So it's very light. Lots of venting in there. Okay. Next on your list then, what what have we got next? Yeah. So this helmet is a little bit different. At the start, we spoke of standards. And I said all of the helmets we're talking about are certified for skiing and snowboarding. This helmet carries more certifications. So it's certified for climbing as well. So if you're ski mountaineering, this helmet is a great option. But Salmon also say that it's certified for cycling. Classic example in Scotland, you cycle in to do a ski tour. You then go ski tour and you might do a bit of climbing. This helmet is perfect but it's one of the most vented helmets you can get. It's got fantastic ventilation in it. It's really light at 400 grams. I mentioned the Grimlier in carbon is about 600. This is 400 grams. You can use it for lots of different sports. You get a summer liner, so if you want to use it for climbing, it's got clips on there for head torches. Lots going on. Very light, very breathable, great venting, and just fantastic for matching a lot of different disciplines. You can have one helmet to use in the summer for climbing and cycling on winter floor three. When you speak about it like that, it makes it sound like incredible value. You could use it for all these different sports. Yeah. There obviously are elements that make it uh, different, doesn't have as many features as some of those more expensive helmets. Like, for example, I think with the venting with this one, it's what you described earlier as passive venting. So it's Yeah, not, it's uh, fixed venting in this. So again, it shares that construction as you would 
with a cycle helmet like in mold. It's called the Salomon MTN Lab or Mountain Lab. It's 155 pounds. There's various colorways. They do a fantastic kind of almost turquoise colorway in it. Um, but actually, the, the EPS liner inside is it's not just the same thickness all the way around, but you can think of it kind of little mountains and valleys. Yeah, like think they're like an egg box construction if you want. And these work like crumple zones. So it actually exceeds the European safety standard by around 30% and the amount of force that it can absorb. It's pretty impressive. Okay, excellent. So that was £155. You know, yeah. That's still quite expensive. What What about an entry-level uh, type of helmet? What would you be thinking? Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple here, but the, the, the one I want to look at, so Oakley, people will know of, they make some amazing top-end helmets, but they do a helmet called the Mod 1. It's got very much a skater look. It doesn't have loads of venting in it. Really light boa fit. So we've spoken about boa fit and, you know, with, with, with ski boots, but there's a dial at the back that cinches in the helmet around you. It's got a removable, washable uh, liner and ear pads, and it's just got a great freestyle look. It's available in so many different colours, so you can really pick what's going to work best for the look that you've got. And on the freestyle scene, lots of people will run their goggle strap under the helmet. And this helmet looks really good like that. But it doesn't have a have a have a brim or a peak or anything. I mean, there's a Smith Holt, similar price, £80 instead of 85 for the mod one. And instead of being in mold, that's a hard shell, but that's a similar, similar offering. But that's quite a bit heavier. This mod one's still nice and light on your head. So that's really interesting, those different products there, and they sound uh, great. I, I just wanted to ask you a question, because we said before, you know, the most sustainable item is the one that you already have. Now, I've probably had my helmet for about 15 oh. years. Uh, it doesn't have like as many of those features, but I've never kind of crashed in it. I've never yeah. hit it on anything. So do helmets have a, a natural life or am, yeah. I, am I still safe, you know, wearing this? No, you need to replace the helmet. <laughs> yeah, right. the plastics break down. UV is pretty detrimental to the, to the integrity of plastics and helmets are made of plastics, whether they're recycled or bio-based they will get impacted by UV light. So that's one thing. And in the mountains, obviously, UV light is, is, is a big consideration. And just taking them to and from resort, they get squashed into luggage or bashed off airline seats as you're mm. walking through the plane. Really, brands kind of look at three to five years for a helmet life cycle so really you're well outside of that you know your head is your most expensive or most valuable asset anyway look after it get a new helmet right well i mean that is really interesting and you've uh, motivated me there so uh, i will re-listen to this episode and also uh, start to i think i'll probably go into nursebrig and try a few on because as you said every head is uh, individual uh, let's move on to goggles then we've already mentioned the sustainable aspects of it but before we go into detail about the goggles let's tackle some of the terminology because there's there's a few things to uh, tackle here so firstly the reason probably we're wearing goggles is for uv protection do you just want to uh, explain how that's identified yeah yeah so the goggle offers protection in a, in a couple of ways not least from wind and snow hitting your face and get, getting cold but impact protection branches whatever but the most important thing is that we're going to stop bad uv light so mainly uva and uvb light getting to our eyes and damaging them you know it's really detrimental and in the mountains the uv hits the snow gets reflected so you get exposed to more of it hence when you're skiing you get something under your chin a bit like sailing you know it doesn't normally happen but that's because it's getting reflected off the snow it's a european standard but actually all, everything we're looking at here 
is much higher than the standard requires it to be. So they're blocking almost all UVA in UV light. And sometimes this level of protection is referred to as UV 400. So it's blocking all wavelengths of light less than 400 nanometers. Okay, so that's looking after, let's say, the health of your eyes. But the yeah. reason we're wearing goggles, as you say, to protect our face from the, the elements, let's say. Uh, but the we need to be able to see through them. And most goggles, if you buy them now, they have a uh, choice of lenses, let's say a brighter lens and a darker lens. We can define what we mean by that, can't we, using a term called VLT. Yeah, so the visual light transmission, VLT, um, essentially goes from 0 to 100. So 0 would be 0%, it's not letting any light through, and 100% VLT would be it's letting all, all, all light through. Anything that's at the upper end of that scale, so typically if it's 80% or over, that's really for your night skiing. That's a clear lens. And then as we come down through the range, the darker that it gets, it's more applicable for sunnier conditions. So in combination with VLT, you will see a lot of eyewear brands, goggle brands that we're talking about here, talk about category of lens. So there's five categories, category zero, through to category four. There's not that many category fours. If you're going to wear sunglasses, you can't actually drive in a category four lens. Cool. Now, this isn't a technical question per se at all, but I think we've probably, if anyone who's skied, you know, a reasonable amount has been on the mountain and they've got a certain lens in and then the light starts to shift and it goes to what we might call flat light or something like that. How do you decide? Here's a question for you to answer. How do you decide when the time has come to swap your lenses over? So when we're talking about flat light, it essentially means that the terrain in front of you looks pretty flat. You can't tell where the lumps and bumps are. So that's why we're talking about flat light. When it's bright and sunny, you can see all the differences in the terrain ahead. So if you start to lose definition in the terrain ahead, you may want to swap down to a lighter lens, a lens that lets more light come through. Now, some people really like a pink lens. Some people like a yellow lens. That's that's almost irrespective. What matters is that you go in the shop, you try them on, you'll know what works for your eyes. But more light through the lens, better definition. Also, the tinting of the lens, the, the way they handle colour will impact that. And, you know, to follow up on that uh, point, I think a key thing if you are buying goggles is you need to have lenses that are easy to change. And I know we come onto the products, you know, there's a lot of magnetic lens uh, swap options these days. They are so much easier than trying to prize a, a lens out and put another one back in, which was more an old style type of thing. But I think that's really crucial, right? Yeah, the magnetic lens swaps are great. When it first came out, people were just using magnets and, and, and what would happen was people would crash and the lens would fly out. Um, and in testing a few different goggles, I've been able to even just stood wearing the goggle to get the lens to fall out. So they've kind of updated the systems, put clips in, but even the modern pull apart. So when you just grab the top and bottom of the frame, pull it apart and the lens pops out, that's got easier as well. And some interchangeable goggles now just use that system because it is so easy. So whichever system you get, just practice using it at home before it comes to changing the lens in the mountains when the wind's blowing and you want to look after it. So, you know, lenses are made up of, you know, several layers and they have anti-fogging within there. But, you know, occasionally you kind of get snow maybe or moisture mm. that's got into the inside. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, what's the best way of dealing with that? Yeah, and this is, this is where lots of people become unstuck. So the lens stops fogging up because it's made of two layers on outside and inside. So the inside layer is kept a bit warmer, like a double glazed window. Um, so that helps stop it 
fogging up, but they also put a coating on the inside of the lens, the, the side closest to your face. Yes. What's really important to understand about this, lots of anti-fog coatings soften when they are damp or wet. So the fog on it is moisture. So when it gets damp or wet, don't rub it with the lens cloth. The, the soft bag the goggle comes with is also for cleaning it. Don't rub that coating because you can actually rub the anti-fog coating off. If you get snow in it, tip, take the goggle off, tip it upside down, give it taps to get the snow to fall out and then let it dry naturally. Or if you do need to take the moisture out, dab at it with the lens cloth, but do not move the lens cloth around on the lens if you can avoid it at all. Okay, that's really interesting. Right, let's let's move on to the products themselves then. I think you've picked out four for us. Um, where do you want to start? Yeah, so we're going to go price point from top to bottom again. I mentioned with the Oakley Mod 1 helmet that Smith do a, a great helmet at £80. This is the most expensive goggle we're looking at is by Smith. So it's the 4D Mag and it's £320 I mean, you get a hard case, you get a goggle sock cover, which are great. If anybody's got goggles, get a goggle sock. They're about 12 quid. This lens is unlike any of the others that we're looking at. So just to talk tech on lenses, if I may, very quickly. So there's three essential shapes. A lens can curve side to side, like it's wrapped around a cylinder. So we call that cylindrical. A lens can curve up and down and around as though it's wrapped around a sphere. And we call that spherical. Or in some of the more modern lenses or the newer development in lenses, we have something called toric shaping, which is like a hybrid of the two. It's not curved quite as much top to bottom, but it's curved more sharply around your face because our faces are shaped like that. This lens then takes it another level. So it curves really sharply underneath the eyes in towards the bottom of the goggle. And they call this the bird's eye view. So you imagine the lens going down and then you sweep your hands in uh, towards your cheeks. And that's exactly the shape of the goggle. And this means that the you can really see what's happening just in front of your feet. But more importantly for me, when I'm testing this, doing up things like rucksack straps mm -hmm. is so much easier when you can see straight yeah. down out the goggles. So it just, it, it just kind of Im improves that feel of view. But they, it's got their chroma pop lens. You get two lenses, one for bright sunny days and one for, for when it's overcast flat light, like we spoke of before. Really comfortable, really interesting lens tech. The strap, instead of just wrapping over the helmet, has a clip at the back. So you can actually undo it and just pull it around the helmet rather than have to slide it over the top and do that up. But the Chroma Pop color tech they use on this, and we're going to talk about other color tech in other lenses, but the Chroma Pop just does that. It makes the colors pop, gives you great definition and clarity. It is expensive, but it's a premium product and you do feel that difference okay so next up i think around half of that price but mm. still getting you a very good goggle uh, is yep. something from dragon yeah so dragon makes some super cool goggles but they work with a, a lot of athletes so there's a skier called dennis ranalter and is an amazing free ski athlete uh, so this is his signature model but it's the pxv vision it's quite a big goggle it looks cylindrical but it is also slightly curved top to bottom so it's a toric lens in this and what i love about this goggle it comes with two lenses it uses dragon's luma lens tech and the smoke lens in this so this is for your those brighter days it's a category two lens almost category three so that tells you it's relatively dark it makes your eyes feel so relaxed it's absolutely beautiful to use but it is quite a big goggle suits bigger face shapes or if you want that big look but it also gives you a fantastic field of view it's not magnetic unlike the smith 4d mag where it's got magnets and clips this one you have to peel the goggle apart to swap the lens but it does come with two lenses 
and their LumaLens tech works brilliantly. That's really interesting. But um, the next one on the list, the, the price isn't that different from the uh, the Dragon Dennis Ronelta that you just mentioned. It's something from Oakley. Yeah, so, the, so, so, so that PXV goggles are £165, but it's Oakley is £138. People may think of Oakley as being that premium price point and they make some amazing, you know, like Michaela Schifrin goggle is, is brilliant, but it's more expensive. They, they make some brilliant goggles. This is the Line Miner and you can get it in a large version or medium. And I've used the Line Miners for a few seasons now and I'll, you get that Oakley premium feel, but at a much lower price point. Also, there's little cutouts in the side of the frame. So with goggles, we can talk about OTG, and that means over the glasses. And that's exactly what these little cutouts are for. So if you wear prescription glasses, that allows the legs of your glasses not to be crushed by the frame. And it works brilliantly well. They do it in loads of different colorways, loads of lenses. The one that I really love is their Prism Sapphire Iridium lens. It's a category three lens. So it's 13% VLT. People remember back when I we were talking about visual light transmission. So you know it's relatively dark. The coloring on this is amazing. I use it for, for ski touring, for general around the, the resort and on piste. And it just got a fantastic feel on your eyes. And what's really impressive for a Category S3 is when the cloud does shift in, because it doesn't come with a spare lens. You can get other ones, but it doesn't come with one. When the cloud shifts in, I'm surprised at how well I can still pick out the variances in the terrain ahead. I think you mentioned that earlier on when we were chatting about lenses. The the Prism lens is a is the Oakley type of lens. Yeah, so Prism is their colour handling. Chromapop is Smith's. Luma lens is Dragons. All brands have their own colour handling. Don't fixate on that. I would urge people not to have tested it from pretty much every goggle brand and everybody's top level color handling works brilliantly well try the goggle on you your eyes will tell you if it feels right honestly it's it, people may not believe me but go and try a few different pairs on in a shop and you'll soon know which ones feel good on your eyes let's move on then to uh, the final one in your list which is a, an entry uh, level yeah. uh, model what what have you got there yeah, because all of the, the, the three that we've mentioned so far are well over £100, you know, up to over £300. This is £45. So it's by a company called Block. It's called the Block Boa. Nothing to do with the Boa dial that we've spoken about in ski boots or earlier yeah. with, uh, with, with with helmets. It looks really kind of cool. It, it's a black frame, silver lens. It's a Category 2 lens, so works for most skiing conditions. You've still got triple-layer face foam. You've still got a silicon line strap, so that silicon lining just helps the strap grip onto your helmet. And it's just amazing value. It doesn't feel quite as premium as some of the more expensive ones, but that's no surprise. Very comfortable. Great lens in there. But £45, that's amazing value. Yeah, I'm busy thinking that uh, for that, it might be, let's say, for example, your children need to have goggles, but they might be the sort of people who mislay things from time to time or drop them or whatever. Instead of investing hundreds of pounds into a pair of goggles, maybe this is the right sort of goggles for them, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, this is an adult goggle, but Block do loads of kids' goggles. My kids started in Block goggles, so I wasn't spending an absolute ton because that classic kids scheme down, <laughs> down the hill, the goggles are flying, just hanging off the back of their helmet getting bashed everywhere but yeah this is this is an adult goggle at 45 pounds a great value or for teens brilliant 
great option. That is brilliant, Al. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put links into the show notes to all of the helmets and the goggles that we mentioned uh, here today. I think I just want to reiterate uh, the point that Al made earlier. You know, fit is king. So you should definitely be trying before you buy. Uh, and I've got absolutely no problem recommending you go to Alice Brigham. You know, I am saying that because they made this special episode of the uh, the Ski Podcast possible, but also because they are winter sports specialists. They've got 16 shops around the UK, so you should be able to find one near you and you can find all the kit you need for this winter now i enjoy all feedback about the show i'd like to know what you think especially about our uh, features like this and these special episodes you can contact me at the ski podcast or by email the ski podcast at gmail.com i did actually get a contact i think this is via twitter from sean douglas who listened to the ski boot uh, episode and, and said it was really good listen to demystify a lot of that jargon and i think you know so much of that is down to the way that al has been able to help explain all of these uh, bits and pieces listen if you like the podcast there are two things you can do to help review us on apple Podcasts or spotify that helps other listeners find us uh, you can subscribe so you never miss an episode uh, we actually have over 200 episodes to catch up with and i had a quick look earlier 100 61 were listened to in the last week there is so much to listen to in our back catalogue just go to theskipodcast.com and search around the tags and categories you're bound to find something of interest to you now we will be back for our fifth and final equipment episode in a couple of weeks time uh, covering the extremely important subject of how you keep your hands and feet warm when we'll be looking at gloves and socks you can follow me at skipedia and the podcast at ski podcast but for now i'd like to thank al for joining me and sharing all of his incredible knowledge. I personally found these equipment specials incredibly educational. After that jackets one, when I put on my, I've got an Arcturix jacket, I went out for a walk on New Year's Day, I think it was, and I found myself inspecting it and looking on the, <laughs> oh, that's the taping, isn't it? Oh, yeah, this is a shell. Oh, it's like triple layer, isn't it? All yeah. these things I've learned from you. Uh, yeah, Al. sorry about that. So <laughs> thank, you. thank you so much for that and for sharing all your knowledge with us. Oh, Ian, thank you. Honestly, I just hopefully this is just helping people get in the kit that's going to give them the best time in the mountains because that's why we head out there. Well, that's brilliant. And what a way to finish. So thanks a lot, Al. And finally, listener, thank you for joining us. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>